Good morning. Welcome to worship today. Special welcome to friends, guests, or visitors we have with us, and welcome as well to those who are joining us uh, online today or on the phone. Is it on? Okay. So just a few announcements before we begin. Um, First of all, uh, today we are welcoming back uh, Bike and Build after a couple-year break. This is a group of young adults who travel across the country working on affordable housing, and they will be uh, uh, they'll be staying here. <laughs> we know it's on now. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then tonight we'll be having a lasagna meal for them at 6 o'clock. And members of the congregation are welcome to come at 6 if you are interested and available. Uh, that will be a uh, chance to meet the young people who are staying here, uh, hear a little bit about their program, and share a meal. So if you're available at 6 o'clock tonight, um, feel free to come by. And thanks to those who are providing food. If, uh, can, if, you're, if we need more food, uh, talk to, uh, to Jen or to myself. Um, we can let you know, but I think we're doing okay at this point. Uh, I sent out an email um, this week, and for those of you who get most news by mail, there's a bit of an update on our landscaping project and the parking agreement that we voted on in April. Um, mostly it's that those both are moving forward as the congregation had uh, voted that we would. Um, but if you have questions about that, uh, we're going to have an uh, informational meeting after church next Sunday. Um, so if you have questions or just want to hear a little bit more, um, f- please feel free to come next Sunday and stay after church for some question and answers about that. Also wanted to say that we're having a, an issue with a, uh, with a leak somewhere in our plumbing, and so the hot water is off right now. So if you go to wash your hands and the water isn't getting hot, that is why uh, Steve and Gary are, are hard at work getting that looked at. Um, so hopefully that will, be, will return soon, but just uh, a heads up if you're uh, looking for warm water. Are there other announcements we should make today? If not, before we begin, I wanted to wish a happy birthday to Beverly Schwartz. It's her birthday today. Uh, Are there any other birthdays who are here with us today? If if not, let's sing happy birthday to, to, oh, is it? Tomorrow. So John Phoebe, so let's, uh, tomorrow. So let's sing for Beverly and John. Uh, one of our choir members want to get us started. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Beverly and John and Beverly. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you both. <laughs> And we'll begin our service with our prelude music.
please stand as you are able and face the baptismal font. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God, whose steadfast love endures forever. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not followed your path, but have chosen our own way. Instead of putting others before ourselves, we long to take the best seats at the table. When met by those in need, we have too often passed by on the other side. Set us again on the path of life. Save us from ourselves and free us to love our neighbors. Hear the good news. God does not deal with us according to our sins, but delights in granting pardon and mercy. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. You are free to love as God loves. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. O Lord God, your mercy delights us, and the world longs for your loving care. Hear the cries of everyone in need, and turn our hearts to love our neighbors with the love of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Please be seated.
The first reading comes from Deuteronomy chapter 30. The Lord your God will make you abundantly prosperous in all your undertakings, in the fruit of your body, in the fruit of your livestock, and in the fruit of your soul. For the Lord will again take delight in prospering you, just as he delighted in prospering your ancestors. When you obey the Lord your God by observing his commandments and decrees that are written in this book of the law, because you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Surely this commandment that I am commanding you today is not too hard for you, nor is it too far away. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will go up to heaven for us and get it for us? so that we may hear it and observe it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will cross to the other side of the sea for us and get it for us so that we may hear it and observe it? No, the word is very near to you. It is in your mouth and in your heart for you to observe. Word of God, word of life.
The second reading is from Colossians, book one. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ in Colossia, grace to you and peace from God our Father. In our prayers for you, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. You have heard of this hope before in the word of the truth, the gospel that has come to you. Just as it is bearing fruit and growing in the whole world, so it has been bearing fruit amongst yourselves from the day you heard it and truly comprehended the grace of God. This you learned from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard it, we have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him as you bear fruit in every good work and as you grow in the knowledge of God. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power and may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Word of God, word of life. The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 10th chapter. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this, and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell into the hands of robbers, who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan while traveling, came near him. And when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him. And when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three, do you think, was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? 
He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Grace and peace be with you, friends, in the name of Jesus, the merciful one. Amen. The parable of the Good Samaritan is one of Jesus' most familiar teachings. Even many non-Christians, people who've never read most of the Bible, know the story. In most of our uh, country, there are Good Samaritan laws, for example, where you can help someone without a threat of being sued. So it's kind of worked its way into everyone's language, even though it comes from the Gospel of Luke. We know the story. A man was on his way from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was mugged, and a gang of robbers left him half dead in a ditch. A priest saw him lying there, but passed by on the other side of the road. A Levite, someone who worked in the temple, saw him lying there, but passed by on the other side of the road. But then it was a Samaritan, the person you would least expect, who stopped to help him. This is a rich text with many twists and turns, but this year I'm drawn to the beginning of our reading, to the context that leads to this parable, to this exchange between a lawyer and Jesus. The text says a lawyer stood up to test Jesus, so we know from the start that his questions are not exactly above board. And lawyer for here does not necessarily mean, for like us, we would think of someone who's an attorney of secular law. This would be someone who is an expert, an authority of some kind on the laws of Moses. It's hard to know exactly, since we can't get inside of his head, uh, the lawyer's goal or motives here, but the text says he is trying to test Jesus, to try to trip him up in his public teaching. Maybe you remember from school when a classmate, or maybe one of, maybe we did this ourselves too, would raise our hand, uh, not necessarily to ask a question that we're curious about, but either to prove a point or to uh, show how smart we are or something like that. I think that's the way we should hear the lawyer's question. But the lawyer asks an important question. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? But this question seems to be more about uh, how we get into heaven. It seems to be more about the continuation of life forever. The word eternal can also have the connotation of depth or meaning. You can tell this by Jesus' response. Jesus doesn't mention the afterlife exactly. He says, do this and live, implying life begins now, this life too. The commentator Mark Davis says that when he hears this question, this is, he says that this is a what is the meaning of life question. What is the chief end of humanity sort of question. So we could restate the lawyer's question to Jesus as, what does the good life look like? It's this question about the meaning of life, about the abundance of life, the eternity of life, the depth of life, that gives us the context for the parable of the Good Samaritan. It seems like in our culture we have fallen out of practice of asking these kinds of deep questions. What is the meaning of life? What does the good life look like? Perhaps we've fallen out of practice because we don't know the answer, so we don't know where to start. Or we assume that there's not really an answer, that it's a mystery of some sort. But as Christians, we believe that in Scripture, in Jesus, we get some answers to these questions. That in following Jesus, we are given a vision of human flourishing, of what the good life looks like, a vision that our world desperately needs. Amidst all the confusion, don't we all want a vision of what a human fully alive looks like? 
For too many of us, the good life has been shrunk down by consumerism. The Reformation historian Brad S. Gregory says that we have replaced the good life with the goods life, with an S at the end, and reduced freedom to little more than having the right to buy whatever we want when we want it. That is, for too many of us, we have reduced the purpose of our humanity to the accumulation of material goods. If I were to ask any of us, really, what our net worth is, what someone's net worth is, we would think that that was a financial question, not a question about your value as a child of God. Jesus knows that we are meant for more, that we are created for more. So Jesus responds in typical fashion. He doesn't answer his question directly. Jesus responds to the lawyer's question with another question. He says, what is written in the law? What do you read there? The lawyer responds, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. So what is the meaning of life, that deep question? According to Jesus, according to the teachings here, It is love of God and to love our neighbor as well. That sounds pretty clear and straightforward. The good life isn't about accumulating a bunch of stuff. It isn't relaxing on a beach, although that can be nice for a time, right? But that's not the goal of human life. The good life is a life of love for God and each other. That is what human flourishing looks like. And it's the parable of the Good Samaritan that takes that general law of love of God and love of neighbor and gives it a context, a story, that this parable is what the good life looks like. The lawyer tries to justify himself. And who is my neighbor? And rather than answering that question in a straightforward manner, Jesus tells a story. He could have said so many other things. He could have said, your neighbor are those who live next to you, your next door neighbor or something. He could have said, your neighbor are those within your realm of influence. He could have said, your neighbor is people you like or people who look and think like you do. Or he could have been direct and just said, your neighbor is anyone and everyone you meet. But he doesn't say that. He tells a story of a man on the way from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's important for us to remember that Jews and Samaritans did not get along at all. Judeans would go miles out of their way to avoid traveling through Samaria. Samaritans were ethnic and religious outcasts because they were descendants of an intermarriage between Israelites and foreigners. And in violation of Deuteronomy 12, Samaritans worshipped God in their own temple on a mountain rather than at the temple in Jerusalem. So Jews and Samaritans did not see eye to eye and would do their best to avoid each other. So a good Samaritan for Jesus' listeners was an oxymoron. After all, Jesus himself in the Gospel of Luke is refused by a Samaritan city. So even Jesus has reasons not to like Samaritans. But in the story, he makes a Samaritan the hero, hero. So the shock of this story is lost on us unless we can put ourselves in the shoes of those first listeners. The people you would most expect to be merciful, the priest and the Levite, the professional religious people of the day, they pass by on the other side of the road. But the person you would least expect, a Samaritan, it's the Samaritan who sees the hurting person and helps them. The shock of this story is that it's the person you least expect who has pity or compassion who most exemplifies human flourishing, who most exemplifies the good life, who shows the way of Christ. You might remember uh, that on the night before Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, he gave a sermon that's often called the Mountaintop Sermon. He was in Memphis supporting some striking uh, sanitation workers 
he was uh, giving a speech to try and uh, rally support for them. And it's always been a, an eerie speech to read in retrospect because he ends by talking about how he doesn't think he has much longer. And he compares himself to Moses, who at the end of his life was given a glimpse of the promised land. He went to the mountaintop, and he didn't get to enter the promised land, but he saw it. And so like Moses, Dr. King says, I've been to the mountaintop. I've seen that good things are coming, but I might not get there with you. It's the next day that he was assassinated. But oddly enough, it's known for that last part, but most of the speech is about the Good Samaritan. He's teaching about the Good Samaritan and how it applies to these leaders in Memphis and the strike of sanitation workers. And he's challenging, in particular, pastors, but all kinds of people and leaders uh, to get off the sidelines and support these workers in their, in their uh, fight for, for fairness. And he says that the first two, the priest and the Levite, who walk by on the other side of the road, ask the question, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? Will I make myself unclean? Will I make myself, put myself in danger? But the Good Samaritan comes by and asks a different question. He asks, if I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? In other words, he's saying to this group, if I don't stop to help these workers, what will happen to them? We might worry about ourselves, but what is going to happen to them if we don't support them? And that insight, that compassion and that pity is that uh, vision of the good life I'm trying to raise up today. That, that compassion of the Good Samaritan is the same compassion that we, same word actually, that's applied to Jesus earlier in the gospel. That he is moved with compassion to help others, in particular in, in, the chapter, in chapter 7, a widow who has lost her son. The answer to that deep question of what is the good life is a surprising one. The good life is a merciful life. Because the good news is that abundant eternal life is graciously available to you. And what does it look like? It looks like mercy. It looks like compassion. It looks like stopping to help. I've been reading this book uh, by Katie Zay, who is uh, the, she's a Baptist pastor, and she's also the head of this organization called the Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice. And she's an interesting person to listen to in this time, regardless of where you fall on the issues. She makes a good distinction between empathy and compassion. That when empathy is involved, you feel someone else's experiences as your own, but compassion is the process of moving to take action that centers the one in need. The person walking in the ditch, uh, the priest may have felt empathy for them, but did not center their needs, did not feel that compassion. And I think no matter where we fall on the political spectrum, we are all called to compassion for the ones in need. That is the compassion that Jesus felt, the compassion that the Good Samaritan felt. The good news is that life is available for us. When the lawyer asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? We love God, we love neighbor. But what it is to be a human fully alive is to be one who offers mercy and compassion. We can live a life of compassion for others because God has been compassionate for us. We can stop to help because our God of compassion calls us into those places, offering mercy and grace for others. The compassion of God is for you, my dear siblings. And we extend that compassion by putting those in need at the center. Amen.
United in Christ and guided by the Spirit, we pray for the church, the creation, and all in need. Good and gracious God, you have placed your word of love in the hearts of your church. Fill your church with compassion that we bear the fruit of your healing mercy to a broken world. God of grace, hear our prayer. You created the earth with seeds sprouting up to new life. We pray for the flourishing of fruit trees and orchards, vines and bushes. Prosper the work of those who plant, tend, harvest, and gather. God of grace, hear our prayer. Show us your ways and teach us your paths of justice and love. Raise up community and national leaders to challenge and dismantle societal structures that perpetuate ethnic, racial, and religious profiling and discrimination. God of grace, hear our prayer. Come near to all in need. Orchestrate kindness in the face of cruelty. Hope where there is despair. Love in the face of neglect, comfort where there is death, and healing in illness, especially Sharon, Jackie, Mary, Randy, Leticia, Denaya, Bonnie, and those we name now aloud or silently. God of grace, hear our prayer. Turn this community toward neighbors in need. Bring aid and support to those who are poor, beaten down, abused, forgotten, silenced, or avoided. We pray especially for the work of Off the Square Club and Porchlight. God of grace, hear our prayer. We give thanks for the saints who revealed your love and mercy in this life. Inspired by their witness, Strengthen us to live in hope. God of grace, hear our prayer. God of every time and place, in Jesus' name and filled with your Holy Spirit, we entrust these spoken prayers and those in our hearts into your holy keeping. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And also with you. Please take a moment to share a sign of peace with those around you. And peace be with you to those online as well.
spirits like a chalice brim with gladness when our voices full and clear sing of the Let us pray. God of abundance, you have set before us a plentiful harvest. As we feast on your goodness, strengthen us to labor in your field and equip us to bear fruit for the good of all in the name of Jesus. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty, and our joy, that we should all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior, Jesus Christ, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, you have brought us this far along the way. 
In times of bitterness, you did not abandon us, but guided us into the path of love and light. In every age, you sent prophets to make known your loving will for all humanity. The cry of the poor has become your own cry. Our hunger and thirst for justice is your own desire. In the fullness of time, you sent your chosen servant to preach good news to the afflicted, to break bread with the outcast and despised, and to ransom those in bondage to prejudice and sin. We remember on the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it to all to eat, saying, this bread is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, gave for all to drink, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and drink from this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Christ Christ has died. Christ Christ is is risen. Christ Christ will will come come again. again. Remembering, therefore, his death and resurrection, we await the day when Jesus shall return to free all the earth from the bonds of slavery and death. Come, Lord Jesus. Let the church say, Amen. Amen. Send your Holy Spirit, our Advocate, to fill the hearts of all who share this bread and cup with courage and wisdom to pursue love and justice in all the world. Come, spirit of freedom, and let the church say amen. Amen. Join our prayers and praise with your prophets and martyrs of every age, that rejoicing in the hope of the resurrection, we might live in the freedom and hope of your Son. Through him, with him, in him, In the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. Let us gather into one by the Holy Spirit. Let us pray as Jesus taught his friends to pray. Our Father Father in heaven, heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated as we share some instructions for communion. Communion today, you'll come up the side aisles, where at the front there are these two side tables where you'll grab empty cup and bring it with you to the railing. At the railing, your cup will be filled with wine and you'll receive bread. If you need or desire grape juice or gluten-free, those are also at these two side tables. Just grab them and bring them with you to the railing. After you've communed, you'll return down the center aisle and place your empty cup in the bowl by the center aisle. We want all friends, guests, and visitors to know that all are welcome to commune with us because this is the Lord's table, not Trinity Lutheran's table. And the invitation comes from Christ. And we extend our, our table and our communion to you who are joining us online as well. Thank you for being with us today. Receive this invitation to communion. In Christ's presence, there is fullness of joy. Come to the banquet.
Please stand as you're able. May the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen, keep, and unite us now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Life-giving God, through this meal you have bandaged our wounds and fed us with your mercy. Now send us forth to live for others, both friend and stranger, that all may come to know your love. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. God of peace, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you, comfort you, and show you the path of life this day and always. Amen. The mission of Trinity Lutheran Church is to proclaim and celebrate the love of Jesus Christ, to live as God's servants in the world, and to be caring and healing community. Go in peace, love your neighbor. Thanks be to God.